Hello, and welcome. I'm so glad you could make it back to see us. If this is your first time, let me introduce myself. You can refer to me as the reader. And as the reader, I feel compelled to tell you exactly what it is you will find here. But this place is quite complicated. And I think it would be much easier to tell you to look in your back seat, look under the bed, check the closet, look in all those unsuspecting dark places that should be empty, and know that from this day forward, they will not be. If you continue to listen, every unlit hallway, every darkened street, the deepest section of the woods untouched by light, will be filled with unwanted things. I do hope you will enjoy them. I know we will enjoy your company. For today's story, we give you A Friend Indeed, Part 3, The Finale, by Cameron Baker. (laughs) Evan stared at the television wading too deep into his own thoughts to notice the weak, lukewarm coffee spilling down his shirt and pulling at his feet as he held his sobbing wife in his arms. She wasn't allowed to have much caffeine during the pregnancy, so the cup had been filled mostly with creamer and sweetener, leaving a light brown stain on his shirt and on the carpet. It was him, Evan thought. He didn't know how he did it, but that man... That stranger, that knew Evan's name but never introduced himself, he did this. The newscaster's mouth was moving, but he didn't hear what she was saying. He could only stare at the motorcycle parts and blood soaking through the white sheets dotting the road. He was an accomplice in several murders. He gave the word. Sure, he didn't tell the man to do exactly what he did. But he shook that man's hand and asked him to take care of his problems. Like some shitty version of a movie mob boss. He thought it was only a joke. He had no idea that this would happen. He had no idea something like this could happen. Jesus. He owed this man a favor now. Goosebumps ran up his arms and spine as he tried to imagine what kind of favor a man capable of something like this would ask for. He was pulled from his thoughts by Sarah's hand as she grabbed his face and spoke quietly but firmly, her tear-filled, angry eyes looking into his. Why didn't you tell me where you were? I thought I lost you. I thought we lost you. I know you're hurting, but you can't keep doing this to yourself, to us. We need you here. When she finished speaking, she closed her eyes and gave him a passionate kiss on the lips. Go get cleaned up. Olive will be up soon, and I need to rest. You need to pack her lunch and wake me up in an hour so I can take her to daycare. We can talk about all of this later. He nodded, 
and noticed for the first time that he had been crying as well. He cleared his throat and said, Okay. Okay. I will. I love you. She was halfway to the bedroom, but she turned back to him and reciprocated. I love you too. Then headed to bed. Evan often lamented his lot in life, and truth be told, he often had good reason to. But if there was one saving grace, it was Sarah. They'd known each other their entire lives, and Evan had spent every moment of it thinking that she was out of his league, even to this day. She was the beautiful cheerleader. He was the younger brother of the star quarterback, who played the much less exciting position of a place kicker. He never would have had the courage to ask her out, and if she hadn't asked him why he never asked her out, at a party a few years after high school, they never would have gotten together. The last few weeks had shattered Evan, but she was the glue keeping everything together. He owed her more than this. Wiping his eyes, he walked toward the bathroom so he could clean up while Olive still slept. They deserved more from him than an alcoholic father and husband. Sean's memory deserves more than a brother that gets drunk and pisses himself every night. Evan had been given a clean slate, and even if he admitted to telling a man to kill people he owed money to, no one would believe him. He still wasn't sure if he believed what he saw. All he knew was that his family needed him and he had a fresh start. A fresh start would require more than just a shower, so he took off his shirt and trimmed the unkempt beginnings of a beard before stepping into the shower. Looking into the mirror, he began to recognize the man he saw before him. Truth be told, it had only been a few days since his brother passed, but in that time, he hadn't even wanted to look into a mirror. He felt ashamed of how he was handling himself, but he couldn't stop. This was the first time in days that he could actually look at himself and not feel like drowning his sorrows in alcohol. He was just finishing up trimming the unruly beard into his usual goatee when the mirror started to fog. So he finished undressing and stepped into the hot shower. He had almost forgotten about the cuts on his face, but the hot water quickly reminded him. It burned, and the skin around them ached as he scrubbed the dried blood from his face. The water washed over him. He couldn't help but feel a foreign wave of positivity. He had lost too much to ever get it all back, but he still had things worth living for. And for whatever reason, he'd been given a second chance. That deal he made might have been the first smart decision he'd made in his entire life. After stepping out of the shower and getting dressed, he brewed a fresh pot of coffee and woke Sarah. She would need to come home and sleep, but after he came home as the living embodiment of whiskey, 
There was no way she would have let him drive their daughter to daycare. She grunted when he woke her, understandably so, and he ran his fingers through her hair. Ugh, is it time already? She asked. Yeah. He laughed. I'll get her up while you get ready, okay? Mm, you owe me, she said, putting the pillow over her head. So big. He laughed and kissed her arm. I know. I don't know what I'd do without you. She removed the pillow. I don't like to think about that, she said, then touched his face and smiled. So let's make sure that doesn't happen. Olive had begun stirring in her crib and was excited to see her daddy when he woke her and got her ready for the day. He had forgotten that it was the week of Halloween and the daycare had sent home a flyer about Spirit Week. Each day, the kids were supposed to do something Halloween-themed, and they would either wear a certain clothing item or bring in a treat. Today was hat or hair bow day. Sarah had picked out a bow that looked like a little black spider with googly eyes, and it made Evan smile. There was no way that thing made it through the day intact, but it was cute nonetheless. He kissed them both goodbye and told Sarah of his plans for the day. He wouldn't be home, but he wanted her to come home and rest. Money was tight, and she could probably go back to work if she wanted. But the baby would be here soon, and Evan assured her that he would figure it out. Up to this point, that had been a lie to comfort her. But today, he honestly felt like he could turn things around. After he waved to them as they turned the corner, he hurried inside from the cool morning air and saw that he had a voicemail from Jeremy. Jeremy said that he needed to get to the crossroads quickly. Evan grabbed the keys to his car and left in a hurry, the optimism he had had for the day leaving just as quickly. He flung open the old door to the crossroads and walked through the restaurant, surprising the few workers that were in early to prepare for the breakfast rush didn't have time to explain, so he rushed across the cheap flooring into the bar, where he stopped and stared, unsure of what he was looking at. Jeremy stood at one of the tables in the middle of the room, and that was no surprise. What was surprising were the people he was with. To his left was Tom Minear, a local contractor. He was a few years older than Evan but they knew each other well enough. To his right was the stranger. He had that same smile, like they'd known each other for years, and dressed like someone you'd see in a country music video that had never actually been on a dirt road. Evan slowly approached the table and asked uneasily, What, uh, what's going on, Jerm? How's it going, Tom? Tom just nodded, but Jeremy tilted his head towards the stranger and said, Well, you might want to ask him. As he got closer to the table, he saw that there was a piece of paper facing him and a pen next to it. The stranger spoke. 
Good morning, Mr. Melville. It seems I find you in much better spirits this morning. And for good reason. He gestured at the paper and pen. You are the proud new owner of the Crossroads Bar and Grill. Unless you choose to change the name or desire a new building. That's why our friend Tom is here. Crossroads is yours to do with as you see fit. Evan looked at the faces of the three men on the other side of the table, shocked. The stranger just stood there, still with that same stupid, knowing smile. Tom looked as if he honestly had no idea what was going on, and Evan's face probably mirrored his expression. Selling a business could take months, but he looked at the table, and there it was, a bill of sale. All it needed was Evan's signature. This didn't make any sense. How could this happen so quickly? He looked at Jeremy, whose fingers and white knuckles were gripping the edge of the round table. What is all this? He asked. Where's Bill? Shouldn't all this take a lot longer than, I don't know, 24 hours? Why in the hell would you sign this over to me? I don't even know your name. Part of him felt as if he shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth. But this was starting to make him question his sanity. He made a deal with this man as a joke. To erase his debt and fix all of his problems. Now, 24 hours later, several people he owed money to were dead and a business that had been family-owned for more than 25 years was suddenly being signed over to him. The stranger extended a hand. Ben Factor, he said. I know everyone that matters when it comes to things like this, and when I explained my plans for the establishment to Mr. Bill Graves, he was more than happy to sell to me and enjoy his retirement. I was able to push the necessary paperwork through, as you can see. All that is left to do is a simple signature, and afterwards we will discuss any changes to the establishment with our local contractor, Mr. Minear. Evan again glanced around the table and reluctantly shook his hand, before almost absent-mindedly picking up the pen. Jeremy looked pale, and he knew that he didn't want him to sign. Tom still just looked at Evan, expectantly, with mild irritation for having him in a bar this early with no real certainty of work. Evan decided. He should let him leave. No reason to get him or his family involved in this mess. He grasped the pen tighter and moved his hand and the point of the pen closer to the dotted line. I think the crossroads should stay the way it is. People like it that way. We can add to the menu, but I don't think we'll have a need for a contractor, so thank you for coming out, Tom, but I'm afraid we wasted your time. Tom just turned up his bottom lip and nodded, then walked out of the bar without a word. The other three men watched his exit, and when all the attention was on Evan again, he said, Well, like you said, Mr. Factor, only one thing left to do and signed the bill of sale. Years went by, and Evan stayed true to his word. Minimal changes were made to the establishment, 
the most radical of which were just additions to the menu. Among them were, of course, some of Evan's favorite craft beers. But the most important was the Big Sean. Everyone loved the giant tenderloin sandwich named after his brother, and the Crossroads was thriving, more so than it or the brewery had done before. Evan had become an overnight hometown hero. The town had watched him fall apart in days and just as quickly pull himself together. He did, of course, call to check in on old Bill from time to time. Initially, Evan feared the worst for Mr. Graves, considering how the bikers had been dealt with. But Mr. Factor had truly offered him an obscene amount of money and promised to give the business to Evan, who he had always cared for and felt terrible about what had happened to Sean. So Bill took the money and was enjoying his retirement in Arizona with his family. In those years, Evan was truly happy. His family felt whole again, He had a purpose and a way to provide for his family and honor his late brother in the process. Lady Luck and her malevolent intentions were nowhere to be seen, but Mr. Benjamin Factor was never too far away. Even though Evan had more joy in his life than he had ever had before, how he got there and the unspecified debt he now owed was always in the back of his mind. He was always around the bar, the stranger, but people rarely saw him anywhere else in town. He would sit at the end of the bar drinking wine that he would personally stock and speak with those who spoke to him. He made no secrets about the fact that he had bought the bar and gifted it to Evan. And he was a well-traveled man who had a lot of great stories from his days on the road. He was generally well-liked by all that met him. Except for Jeremy. Jeremy had been there that October morning, when all of this was set into motion. He'd pour Mr. Factor his wine, but in private, he tried to convince Evan to sell, to get out of the business, to get away from the stranger. He would say things like, we have no idea where this money came from, or even his fucking name is fake. Ben Factor? That's fucking ridiculous. But Evan would just gesture around. Who's it hurting? We have everything we want. Life is good, germ. Let's enjoy it. I can think of a few people it hurt. Jeremy always wanted to say, but he never did. He was a good friend. Evan stick by Evan no matter what. That's what made his disappearance so shocking to Evan and anyone that knew him. Jeremy loved his family. He loved his friends, and he would never just leave without a word to anyone. And yet, it had been a week since anyone had heard from him. Fires were up, Facebook posts were made, and a missing persons report was filed, but no one had seen him. It didn't look as if he took anything with him. He didn't have luggage, but Evan had been on vacation with him before, and he knew that he still used that old red bag he used to carry his football gear in as a suitcase. And it was here, in his house, empty. The only things missing were Jeremy's truck and Jeremy. Evan gave a full report the last night he had seen Jeremy. It was a Friday night. Business had been doing well, and Jeremy pulled Evan outside for a moment to talk about the future of the crossroads. 
The only thing he left out of the report was that in Jeremy's mind, the crossroads needed to find a new owner very soon, and they needed to get as far away as possible. And when they finished their cigarettes, they headed back to the bar. Evan understood what Jeremy was saying, and he understood that Jeremy was probably right. But things were going so well, it didn't make sense to leave now. Sure, maybe Mr. Factor was a stupid name. And all of this was ill-gotten. But who was to say that Evan hadn't earned it? Had he not suffered? Did he not deserve to be happy? Maybe this stranger was some sort of weird angel that made sure Evan got what he deserved. He also left out the part where, when they got to the bar, Mr. Factor opened the door, that knowing smile on his face. Jeremy hurried by, and the look, the smile, Evan saw on Mr. Factor's face sent chills down his spine. And now, Jeremy was gone. He was never able to cry over the loss of his lifelong friend. He was too terrified to mourn. They eventually held a service for Jeremy. Some hoped he was still out there, but not Evan. Evan knew what had happened to Jeremy, and he knew he had to find a way out of this deal. Evan didn't go near the crossroads anymore. He hired a bar and restaurant manager, delegating his responsibilities and cutting into his bottom line, but he didn't care. He didn't want him or his family anywhere near that man. But it seemed the farther away he pulled, the worse things got for him. Sarah, his beautiful wife, never left the house anymore, and Evan spent most of his time by her side. Her beautiful brown hair was gone. Her sun-kissed skin was now pale, fragile. Her brown eyes that had been so full of life and happiness, eyes that made Evan's heart flutter to this day, they were filled with sadness, pain. Evan both couldn't bear to watch her like this and couldn't allow her to suffer alone. The chemotherapy had done terrible things to her body and it hadn't worked. She didn't have long now. Their youngest daughter, Mary, turned down several offers to colleges to stay home and help, but Olive had already started classes at the University of Illinois when their mother was diagnosed, so Sarah begged her to finish her degree. Being the sweet daughter she was, Olive promised to finish school. Then she would be there to help. When things took a turn for the worst, Olive called and told them that she was going to miss some school. She had to be home with them. No one said the words, but they all knew. She was coming home because she wanted to see her mother before her mother passed away. Sarah was the strongest of all of them. Evan would be at her bedside and she would tell him that everything would be fine, knowing that it wouldn't be. But when they received a phone call from a hospital in Gary, and they informed Evan that Olive had been in a car accident, and she didn't make it, that proved too much for Sarah's heart. 
She passed within twelve hours of the news. Evan thought he had been broken before. But now he was shattered to the point that he no longer even recognized the pieces of his life. He no longer understood how to begin putting it back together. Mary had to cook for him and force him to eat. Evan had completely lost his will to live. All he thought of now was how to kill himself in a way that wouldn't hurt Mary. How to make her understand that he had to go in order for her to be able to live a normal life. One night, well after you would expect visitors to drop by, someone knocked on the door. Evan rarely slept these days, and although he wanted to just sit in his chair and pretend he didn't hear it, for some reason he felt compelled to answer the door. He hadn't seen him in years, but he knew the man when he saw him. It was Benjamin Factor, asking to come inside. Evan gestured him in, but didn't bother to close the door. What do you want? He said in a solemn tone. I don't have anything else for you to take. The man's face lit with genuine surprise. Take? Evan, I have given you everything you've asked for. What is it that you think I've taken from you? Everything, Evan said. Ever since you showed up, I've lost it all. I thought things were bad before, but you, you're the worst. You're a plague, a sickness. You've infected everything. Wrap me here, but nothing. The man stood silently for a while, then left. Evan, I will admit, Jeremy was my doing. But we both know that he was going to get us both in trouble. But beyond that, I've done nothing but help you. I assure you that all I've wanted to do was help you. Keep you on your feet. I would never do anything to jeopardize our deal. You are very important to me. Evan fell to his knees. He could no longer take it. It had been hanging over his head for a lifetime. He had to know. Digging his nails into the rug by the door, he said through gritted teeth, Just tell me what you want. I don't have anything else to give. Evan heard the man take a large, deep breath through his nostrils, then let it out with a pleased sigh on the exhale, as if he were smelling some exquisite smell. All right. I suppose I can divulge my full intentions. Evan looked up from the floor as the man spoke. As I said before, I had nothing to do with the tragedies that have befallen you, other than Jeremy. But they are, in fact, why I'm here. I won't attempt to explain what I am or how I came to be, because we simply don't have the time. But suffice it to say... That I feed on tragedy. 
Evan rose from his elbows and sat on his knees, puzzled at what the man was saying. What, are you like some kind of emo vampire? Just feeding on sad people's emotions? The man laughed. I suppose so, but I wouldn't word it that way. I, of course, can still eat and drink as you would, but my primary form of sustenance is human suffering. But there are many forms of human suffering, you see. I could easily hurt and torture, and that sort of thing does do something for me. But think of it like wine. That sort of contrived suffering is like a five-dollar bottle. It will do the job, but it's missing some of the finer tastes. And I could just stand in a city with crime aplenty, or near a war zone, but I've tasted it so many times, and I've grown bored. But you, he said, you bear a special kind of suffering. You are one of the souls that, through no fault of your own, constantly find yourself in the worst of situations. No matter how hard you try, it follows you. You are a rich Cabernet, and I did what I had to do to keep you around, because you are the finest bottle of wine I've ever had. But you begin to sour. Evan felt his hair jerk backwards and a sharp pain across his throat. You've lost your will to live, so I will grant you the exit you desire. I am sad to see you go, but you have fulfilled the terms of our arrangement. Stepping over Evan as he clutched his throat, he followed the unknown assailant to the door before stopping to say, Thank you, Mr. Melville. It's been a pleasure. My new associate and I wish your family well. And with that, they left. Moments later, Mary came down the stairs. She was tired but had heard something and wanted to make sure her father was okay. With her mother and sister passing within a day of each other, the only thing that was keeping her together was that she had to take care of him. So when she saw him not moving in front of an open door, bleeding out onto the rug, she screamed, running down the stairs, stumbling several times. She held his head and screamed some more. The thick, congealing blood was cool on her skin as the cool night air blew in the open door. She screamed for help, knowing it was far too late. Her father's throat was cut, and he lay in her arms, near death, as her mother had not days ago. Warm tears flooded her eyes, and incomprehensible screams and cries left her trembling lips as her fumbling hands futilely tried to stop the bleeding. Her father's eyes were filled with tears, and he was beginning to fade. She had seen what it looks like when a person quit fighting. She knew this was it. The last moment of her father's life would be spent bleeding out in her arms. She screamed at the top of her lungs, then looked back at her father. His eyes were no longer glazing over, but wide with fear and shock looking over her shoulder. Then she heard the words, I can bring him back, a man with a knowing smile said. 
but you will owe me a favor. <laughs> Thank you for being patient and joining us for the finale of A Friend Indeed. Things are quite busy for us this time of year, so we do appreciate your patience. Next week, we will have another episode for you, but after that, it's back to an episode every other month. Be sure to share us on social media, subscribe and comment on your favorite listening app, and give us a rating on iTunes. All of those things help us further our influence. Thank you for your support. You'll be hearing from us very soon.